A woman, digging, twinges in her bent double back, puffy skin on the backs of knees textured like dough, sweat running between breasts without blue. An older woman. The woman, despite twinges and sweat, smiles. This is the place she has lived for a long time and all seems well. Along the fence in brilliant sunshine, rows of laden tomato vines. In the centre of the garden, root vegetables stretch down, imitating the action of her fingers, rooting her life to the earth. From her hands, soon bright salad nasturtiums will grow, and opposite them, stringy beans tangle, egg fruit grow fat. The hens are laying. Aphrodite's myrtle tree keeps watch while mint beside the beans promises healing and over all this the bitter scent of tomatoes hangs heavy in the air. There is one fence, the back boundary marked by the orchard, beyond that a vacant block has been reclaimed by bush. There lizards bask on rocks. The fence is at the front of the house. When someone comes to buy produce, the woman can usually tell who they are by the way the gate squeals. Here the weather is always temperate. The house sits in a suburb which could be on the edge of any Australian city. It floats comfortably in the 20th century, undisturbed by the outside world. Community factionalization Political heavings and machinations, historical brutality, social deprivations, en masse emotional scarring, or the standard disruptions of the environment, the place is untouched. The suburb sleeps comfortably each night and wakes up each morning to the gentlest of life-giving rain or dust-moted sunlight. The woman thinks of her sweet daughter inside the house the girl who spends 16 hours a day sleeping, unaware of anything, including the leaden drift of time. Every day when she awakes at noon, her lips are sticky with sleep's heavy breath, her eyes drowsy, her hair thick and syrup-brown around her face. The mother dresses her daughter in flowing fabrics which cover the curves of her body and every day, by her own means, keeps her quiescent. But at around four that afternoon, something in the aroma of the garden shifts. Rain is not expected, but the atmosphere feels moist, and the nasturtium seedlings in her hands respond with a sharp scent. The woman hasn't felt like this since the girl's father paid an unwelcome visit 17 years before. 
She wipes the sweat from her eyes as a shadow passes by the front gate. She doesn't see the motorbike or the youth astride it. But the atmosphere has changed. The woman glances towards the girl's bedroom. The curtains are still drawn. The girl is in the kitchen, leaning on the bench. The woman brings her eyes back to the flower bed. The girl in the kitchen hasn't moved. The gaze is at the floor, but her cheeks are flushed. The woman doesn't see the girl swing her weight. Once, slowly, from one leg to the other. But she feels a twinge in her own hip bones and thinks it must be time to go back indoors. When she does at last rise from the rows of nasturtiums, she goes first to the gate and looks down the street. Inside the house, the girl is no longer in the kitchen and not in the bathroom, the living room or the bedroom. The girl, quite simply, is gone. This particular trip has nothing for the boy on the bike. For three weeks, he's scoured the streets of the city, but there's no talent. Despite the gawky groups of girls roaming the footpaths, themselves on the lookout. Already at 20, he's finding girls grow up faster, skipping that gauche physical obliviousness he loves to an immediate sexual insight. He must be getting old-fashioned. But he's not ready to go home to the dark and anorexic race he has for amusement. He feels a disquiet, born amongst the crowded dance floors of his world. So he decides to rest overnight in a suburb he usually passed by. He gazes around at the simple fibro and weatherboard of their suburban homes. He is one on a corner where the birds are busy. Metal gate, collapsing wooden fence. A shaft of sunlight sweeps across the grass and straight into the darkened window of the front of the house. It's as if that shaft of sunlight shot straight back to him, back 
across the redolent lawn and threw his jacket to heat up his heart, which is now solar-powered. There was a girl, and it was the girl, her wrists touching above her head and her head tilting to one side, her body turning so indolently as to be deliquescent, almost shivering with a thick and humming energy, as if some charge had been generating inside her, but instead of dissipating, as it does with normal folk, into the air in the form of blue sparks or static hair. It was circulating inside her, like a drugged fly in a bottle. He's never seen anyone with movement so made for dancing. She's exquisite, and with her loose limbs, her unfashionable curves will match his little underworld perfectly. In retro hipsters and a fringed bikini, her wild hair bound back in a swinging ponytail, her suburban innocence combined with bump and groove grind will take undone onto another plane. He can't see the woman behind the house, but he can smell the violent graveyard scent of earth, the piquant nasturtiums and her ripe sweat. He feels the summer breeze of this funny old-fashioned suburb touch the back of his cropped hair, shivers and revs the bike. So he books himself another night in the motel and spends it and all the following morning too, netting the girl with ropes of charm as she hovers, sleeping and vulnerable between two worlds. As the sun starts to head downwards on that second day, she comes out of the house towards him. Her skirt is hitched up at the waist in an unconscious copy of gestures that girls she had never seen girls from another part of town have been making for decades. When she opens the gate so the hinge barely speaks, when she glances straight into his eyes, he finds himself giving in to her completely. She swings onto the back of his bike and they leave immediately. Demeter in the garden feels not a wrench, but a tearing. Gasps as she stands, realises the girl-shaped absence inside the house. She's at the gate in an instant, but can only smell faint traces of petrol and dust. As they ride across the suburb's boundaries, the girl's body eases closer. She's fluid again, liquefied. And he feels her body heat rise despite a sharp wind and the thickness of his leather jacket between them. It's the physics of entropy. 
The energy it's costing for the place to let her go is causing her temperature to soar. And the whole time they're gone, she never loses that heat. That first night at the club, he stares at her from his balcony, still fascinated. She doesn't dance fast. In fact, she's slowly and deliberately making love to the mirror, languid as if her black stockinged legs are two snakes conjoined and all the while burning up with the electricity she generates just for herself. The dancers watch from below. He lights another cigarette and sends the smoke to curl around her ankles. With a flick of her foot, she disperses it into the blue nightclub haze. And then sends him a gaze which sings through his body. He has no doubt that she knows everything. digs deep into the garden bed and I can smell the soil as it's turned I can hear her humming out of tune this afternoon I stood in front of the mirror again my mother with a dark look in my direction moved it yesterday to the back of our storeroom and it's hard to see myself in the shadowy mess of useless furniture Today I rolled my skirt over from the waistband, keeping the hem even around my knees. If I do it only once each day, my mother won't notice it slowly creeping up my thighs. I can remember standing there, switching my hips and watching the hem swing slowly from side to side, my hands above my head, curling my fingers, turning my wrists outwards. I look directly into my own eyes and the strangest thing, simultaneously feel a slow rush from breath to groin and a kind of whack to the solar plexus. As in the mirror, a gentle curve is revealed between the last of my ribs and my hip bone. 
I trace the path of that rush with my fingertips. If I push the bulky band down hard, it embraces my hips, and there's another pleasure thrill, like being a hair's breadth from swooning. From outside, my mother's love is wafting in through the windows with the sickening smell of overripe tomatoes. physical substance, so as I was holding him I was sinking into him, into a deep oblivion, and when I tried to wake he pulled me back into sleep. Over and over I fell, struggling to lift my lashes from my cheeks. I dreamt I saw a man sitting on a large black bike outside the window of the storeroom watching me dance. That feeling came on again, slowly, but with a certain momentum. But the ropes covered my eyes and held my head in place, and even now I can feel them pulling me back and the world receding into silence. It didn't surprise me this afternoon when the boy did turn up on his bike. For real, I mean. Already I'm discovering the predictability of men. I adjusted my skirt and swung out to meet him. But what I wasn't prepared for were his eyes as he turned to me. There was something instant in my recognition of that pale blue, and this is so narcissistic, he thought. They matched mine perfectly. Nor did I know the fine curve on the back of his head could have such an impact. And his boyishness. In my dreaming I had felt the more solid shadow of a man, but this boy postures insubstantially like a self-conscious youth. And still, I'm captured. And in him, I can see myself. We are both utterly charmed. And it's the dancing I love. He rouses me every night from my daytime sleeping on the mattress in his bare, dark flat, and we ride the few crowded blocks to his club, undone. The cool night air wakes me fully for a while, and by the time we get there, I'm ready to dress. He lifts me up by the waist to my place, high above the dance floor. There I have a giant mirror, uncrowded, Spotlit, and as I turn, 
multiple images of myself turn with me. Sometimes I close my eyes and my fingers flick again over the curve of my stomach and when they do, certain boys and girls on the floor become restive and stare. These dancers have no substance. They're fleshless and I'm lost. To them, myself and any of the memories that dredge up sometimes of an afternoon of gardens and sunlight. I only want to think of the planar movement of hips, the angles of neck to collarbone, as I turn and turn. He watches me too, though he never touches me. Last night, the lights of the city were shiny bright and I held my lower lip between my teeth as I dressed before we left. Little flared go-go skirt, lilac for my eyes, electric blue suspenders and black stockings, the tops of which I admit I knew would show when I turned at a particular speed. I suppose I was feeling a little bit wicked. looked at me sideways but said nothing on our ride to work. But for the first time it was I who took him by the hand and led him from the neon street with its cigarette packets, dirty syringes and shadowy hungry people. Down the stairs, through the door and underground to the dance floor. And every move from then was suspended. Like, like just before you kiss, like the faintest breath drawn in and in again. But still he hadn't touched me. Later, I rested in a daze. He slid his hand between my knees and then he leant towards me. He was silent but slipped under my tongue three white tablets which I swallowed one by one. And then I kissed him. I felt only the pleasure rush of his first touch. Nothing happened until I was dancing again and then... At 
one glance, the mirror is my dance floor play space. At the next, it's crowded with furniture, though in a blink, it's all gone. And then as I turn, I feel the swirl of fringing around my waist, and for an instant, it grips my hips hard. But when I reach down to adjust the heavy roll of waistband, my hands meet only the buttons on my little skirt. And then, the acrid cigarette smoke I like so much brings another smell. I'm snapped awake by the scent of myrtle and bursting tomatoes. And there's a man at the door of the club in clothes more fit for a market garden. And I know my father has sent him as some kind of omniscient joke. And I have had enough. Now I do want to go home. I need to sleep. I climb down quickly from my spot, push past the shades of the dancing throng and go to him. Let him take me there. We're still on the road now and I'm recording this in the back of a van which stinks of rich soil and old flowers. But the boy, my man, I saw him staring hard, the lids underneath those perfect lapis eyes quivering with the effort of watching me go. And there's a charge between us. He knows I'll come back to bring flesh to his shady world. Farmers will also benefit and are expecting bumper crops this season, particularly of tomatoes. 